Acts chapter 10. We're going to see here in this chapter that God is, is always faithful to save man. Um, you know, a lot of people always ask, uh, how is God going to judge individuals uh, who've never heard the gospel? You know, the guy in the, in the jungle or in whatever who, who's never heard the gospel, uh, if no person is sent. Uh, Paul really asked that same question. Uh, but he affirms that it is by the hearing of the gospel and the sending of preachers in, in Romans ten fourteen through 15. Paul kind of answers that question. Um, and there's no real simple answer to these uh, and many other questions. You know, well, what about this guy? What about that guy? You know, who may not have, you know, access to, you know, technology or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. To, you know, simple truth radio, or <laughs> you know, whatever. You know, what about that guy or that, that woman? Um, and, and, you know, we do know that the scriptures reveal enough information about God, who he is, to assure us that he is, he is just, you know, in, in judgment. He never holds man responsible for what he is ignorant of, uh, but he does hold us responsible uh, uh, for, for willful, willful ignorance. Um, Knowing these truths about God, we can rest in his perfect judgment, you know, and, and uh, understand him and, and salvation and all that's revealed when we understand these things about God. So, um, you know, to understand God's love for, for the lost uh, and his willingness to reach them with the gospel, what we're going to do is we're going to look tonight at, at how God revealed himself to this guy named Cornelius uh, with the gospel. Um, in, in Acts chapter 10, uh, the preaching of the gospel is, is to the house of Cornelius here. Uh, and it's one of the most important events in the book of Acts, actually. So much that it's recorded twice. The actual account, which we're going to read tonight, uh, and a reported account uh, to the elders of Jerusalem, uh, revealing God's will to make Jew and Gentile one in the, in the church, in the body of his church. Um, so... You know, God had made both the Jew and Gentile one. He broke down that middle wall of separation that we read about in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and, and God has already been preparing, uh, you know, as, as Philip preached to the Samaritan we read about a couple weeks ago. Uh, Philip to the, uh, to the Ethiopian. So God's, God's doing a work and he's preparing uh, for what's about, about to happen here. Um, and, and God's revelation to Cornelius and to Peter in this chapter uh, became an authoritative uh, evidence, if you will, for, for accepting the Gentile as part of the church, um, apart from the law, uh, you know, and, and so forth. So uh, Jesus had told Peter that to him were given the keys of the kingdom, and accordingly uh, he was the spokesman at Pentecost, to the Jews, and now he's going to be the spokesman to the Gentiles through Cornelius' household. So, um, this preaching of the gospel to the house of Cornelius, it really happens in three visitations, if you will. Uh, the first part is verse 1 through 8. It's Cornelius being visited by an angel. Uh, the second part is verse 9 through 23, uh, Peter visited by the Lord. And then the third part is... Uh, Verse 24 through 48, it's Cornelius being visited by Peter. 
So three visitations happen here, and um, we're going to jump right into the first one, which is Cornelius was visited by an angel, verses uh, 1 through 8 of Acts uh, 10. Uh, It says, there was a certain man in Caesarea uh, named Cornelius, uh, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Uh, About the ninth hour of the day, he saw a vision, an angel of God, coming and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, uh, he was afraid, and he said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Uh, And when the angel who spoke to him departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who had waited continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them over to Joppa. So we'll stop there for now. Um, So, verse 1 through 2, Cornelius, he's identified here. We kind of learn about who the the guy is. Um, He resided in the city of Caesarea, we read in verse 1. And this is Caesarea by the Mediterranean uh, Sea. Uh, This Caesarea was built by Herod. uh, And it was a predominantly Gentile area. And and, um, those of you who have been on the tour with us when we go to Israel, that's usually uh, the first place we go. Like on our first big day of the tour, you know, we usually land in Tel Aviv, we stay a night in Tel Aviv, and then the next day we get up early, it's our first day on the tour, and we, we go to Caesarea by the sea. And then we see this, this city that Herod built. Um, and if you don't mind, I'm going to just walk over here real quick. I have some slides I want to show you guys. Just look up at the screen if, if you don't mind. Um, this was from the last trip when we went to Israel. Oh, they're moving. Yeah, so this, <laughs> this is an amphitheater that Herod built. Um, and now they do concerts there and other events, but, but Herod built this thing and we have a devotional there and it's, it's a Roman amphitheater and it's, it's pretty wild. The, the thing about Roman cities is if you've been to one, you've kind of seen them all because they had a very like one size fits all format when they would build a city. And you know, this is an example of that. You could see they're probably getting ready like for a concert or something. They do events there. And this is uh, right outside of, you know, as, as you're kind of exiting the amphitheater, you go through this little doorway and you see Caesarea by the sea. There's the sea there, yeah. And you see all these things that Herod built or what's left of what he built. Um, there's a shot, shot of the, right there. And, um, yeah, it's wild. It's, it's the most wild thing ever. And it's a great, kind of a great first day out on the tour. To see all this, this is actually a, a plaque with Herod's name written on there, proving that he built all of this, you know, that they found. Yeah, and you can see, and the thing about Herod was he was like super uh, high end. Everything he did was top of the line, high end, and he had these really, uh, like, at the time, high end pools that he would build. You know, the dude was really into luxury, and everything he built was like super luxury, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> It was like, you know, Ritz-Carlton kind of stuff. (laughs) 
this is like a little uh, race track that they would have uh, horse races, uh, like in the movie Ben Hur. Yeah, they would have them in these tracks right here, um, you know, with chariots and horses, and it's all there. And and um, these are uh, cisterns that Herod built. And there's just like one more shot there. Um, but yeah, he built all of that. And it's it's wild. So this is where Cornelius is from. You know, it was before um, Herod took over and built there. It was kind of a second class harbor. Uh, and, and there was a shallow entrance. Um, and But Herod went and just altered everything and, and, and built, uh, you know, like you saw, this incredible seaport that he, he built. Uh, in this village, um, and uh, he kind of deepened the harbor uh, against breakwater and all this stuff. You know, it was just really wild what he did, as you saw in the pictures. Um, and then that was Herod, that, you know, and then that's where, where uh, Cornelius is from. So uh, going back to the guy Cornelius, he was a soldier. That was his occupation. Uh, he had a common name. And uh, his name actually means uh, like a horn, a symbol of power. It's of Latin origin. Um, he was a centurion uh, over a hundred men, which is one sixth of a regiment, uh, which a regiment is uh, six hundred men. Uh, and ten cohorts uh, would make a legion of six thousand men. Um, he was of an Italian regiment, uh, not a native, but a oh, salute. Uh, not a native, but a foreigner from Italy. Uh, and he kind of worked his way up the ranks, uh, kind of comparable to like a captain. And, um, you know, these guys, they, you know, they were, they were bad dudes. You know, they, they were courageous. They fought to the death. Um, and that was, that was Cornelius here. Um, and centurions are always in the Bible. They're always presented in a good light. It's kind of interesting. Uh, like in Matthew 8, uh, you know, at the cross, when the centurion said, truly this man was the son of God. You know, so it's just kind of interesting. They all, and then the account of Cornelius, I mean, it kind of is presented in a good light here. Um, he was a religious man that we read in verse 2. Uh, a devout man, uh, one who feared God with his household. He gave of his alms, excuse me, his alms. <clears throat> uh, he prayed to God always. So, you know, he was he was devout in... in um, he was devoted in, in worship to God. Um, he didn't have a relationship with God, but he, he honored God. You know, He was a God-fearer with all his household, his family, his servants. We see in verse 2. Um, and uh, he gave alms, like it says, uh, generously to people. Um, that word generously there means to have mercy, to have pity. Uh, he was a man of compassion, you know, to the poor, the needy, uh, and he was known for that. Um, he, like we said earlier, he prayed to God always, and um, that word really means to beg of the things asked, the salvation of his family. Um, and uh, it also means that he was, he was a sincere seeker. Uh, the Jews prayed three times a day. And, you know, we see that like with Daniel uh, and David and so on. And, and he kind of did the same. Um, so then in verses, the next chunk here, verses 3 through 6, uh, we see this revelation that comes to Cornelius. 
uh, he's visited by this angel in verse 3, you know, and he was praying at the ninth hour. Uh, the ninth hour is 3 p.m., the time for sacrifice. And it's kind of interesting because that's the very hour that the veil of the temple was torn in two, as you can might remember, indicating that access to God was now made for all, to Jew and Gentile. You know, it's just kind of interesting, the timing of all this. Um, uh, he was allowed to see a vision, you know, in verse 3 here. Uh, and and the manner was, was of this vision was very plain and open. Uh, he, something that he saw while he was awake, a divine revelation, um, you know, the word indicates there. Um, and, and the vision of this angel uh, of the Lord comes and calls him by name, Cornelius. You know, I mean, God, God knows our name, you know, he knows where we live. <laughs> you know, we're individuals to God, and, and Cornelius was, was no exception. Um, Cornelius responds, you know, to this angel then, in verse 4, with uh, reverence, really. He observes him and you know, calls him Lord. It says that he observed, he looked steadfastly on him, is what the word means. He fixed his eyes on him. Um, and actually the same word is used of the apostles when they watched Jesus ascend up to heaven. Um, and also, uh, so, you know, that's kind of a, an idea of how he looked upon this angel. Um, and it says in verse 4 that he feared, he was frightened, he was, uh, in other words, he was terrified and trembling. Um, you know, and this is a seasoned warrior here. You know, this guy, like we said, he was a bad dude. You know, he's seen a lot. <laughs> he's been around the block and he was afraid at the sight of the angel. Um, and, and he recognized this vision as, as, as divine, as something from God, uh, by submitting himself through the words, what is it, Lord? Um, you know, Cornelius is not worshiping the angel here, but he knew it was some sort of a divine visitation of some sort, you know? Um, so he's told by the angel at the end of verse four there, he says, your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. Um, this does not mean that God forgot, uh, but that he was recalling them. Um, and once again, like we said earlier, it doesn't mean that Cornelius knew God. Uh, he knew God existed. Um, you know, if Cornelius was saved, this whole event that we're going to see in chapter 10 didn't, wouldn't have had to happen. Um, uh, this does mean it does not mean that that God uh, honored these works for salvation for Cornelius. You know all these things he did religiously, but it means that he saw that Cornelius had a sincere heart, and that's that's where he's he's at right now with with getting through to him. Um, so Cornelius, he's given instructions by this angel, you know, verses uh, five through six. Uh, and he was to send to Joppa for Peter, in verse 5. Uh, the city of Joppa was about 30 miles uh, south of Caesarea. And uh, Joppa was the city from where uh, Jonah fled from the Lord. And we kind of visit that area too when we go to Israel. It's kind of wild. Um, and so he's to send for uh, this guy named Simon, whose surname is Peter. Uh, and this guy, Simon Peter, is going to have a message for him, we read about in verse 5. Um, and he's to obey this message from Peter, you know, in verse 6. Uh, 
so Peter is is um, he's lodging with this guy Simon by the sea, who's a tanner. Uh, tanners were um, kind of held in like kind of contempt, I guess, because uh, the nature of their trade was with animal skins, and that was considered unclean, you know, to the Jews because of what they had to work with. Um, and, you know, by Jewish law, their house had to be 50 cubits outside of the city. Um, and Peter's going to tell Cornelius what he must do. Like we said earlier, Peter was given the keys of the kingdom uh, to both Jew and Gentile. We read that in Acts chapter 2 and also uh, in this chapter. Um, so then in verses 7 through 8, you know, we see that Cornelius, he obeys, he submits here to what this angel is telling him. Um, he calls his servants, he calls a soldier in, in prompt obedience in verse 7. Uh, he did as, as what he was supposed to do as soon as the angel departs. And uh, these two household servants are also equally devout to God. Uh, we, we read in verse 7. So, um, oh, and the devout soldier uh, were of those who waited on him continually. So, you know, this guy was a pretty committed guy. So, he sends them out to Joppa in verse 8. And uh, Cornelius in verse 80, he explains the whole thing to them. Uh, you know, the angel and the appearance of the angel and how he was afraid. And, and then he gives them the instructions. And at this point, you know, Cornelius, he, he's not too prideful to admit that he was afraid at, of all of this, you know, and to explain the whole thing to them. Um, you know, at this point, he's, he's vulnerable. Um, so Cornelius sends him over to Joppa, end of verse 8. Um, and actually, that word sent is where we get the word apostle from, you know, one who's sent. So... Uh, he sends them out, and and that kind of, you know, Noah, he uh, obeyed the instructions of God, and he preached for 120 years, as we know. Uh, and, you know, and though all knew God, they did not glorify him as God, Romans 1 tells us. And, you know, it's not enough for us uh, to know about God. You know, Cornelius at this point knew about God, uh, but he didn't know God. One must know God to be saved. Um, and like we said earlier, people always ask, you know, what about those who may have never heard the gospel? Well, Cornelius, he's a classic example of that. Uh, that God will make himself known to all, you know, before they die. Uh, in a way that they have time to hear the gospel and, you know, respond to it. Uh, if God does not allow one person to hear the gospel, uh, then he would not be a holy and just God, as the word says. Um, let alone perfect, you know. Uh, God looks at the heart, uh, the Bible says, in response to the light that person possesses, and when they reject, the Bible says their heart becomes dark. You know, and um, at this point, Cornelius, he, he is responding. You know, it's the early stages, but he's responding to the gospel here. Um, 
you know, God could have preached the gospel to Cornelius through this angel, but he only used the angel to direct him to Peter. You know, um, God likes using up people, you know, that's just, that's just his style. Um, you know, and he can do the same thing today. He could just use angels to save people, you know, but he also uses missionaries and preachers and other people to deliver the gospel. You know, we read about that in Romans uh, 10. Um, so Cornelius was visited by the angel of God. This kind of wraps up our first step here. God's working with the man, you know, and this is the early stages of that. So uh, moving on to our second uh, visitation, we're going to see Peter now is being visited by the Lord, uh, verses 9 through 23. Uh, it says, The next day, as they went up on their journey uh, and drew near the city, uh, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and he wanted to eat. But while they uh, made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and, and let down onto the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. And a voice came to him and it said, Rise, uh, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything uh, common or unclean. And the voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up to heaven. Um, now when Peter wondered within himself what this vision uh, meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius uh, had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and uh, with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent uh, to him from Cornelius, and he says, uh, Yes, I am the one whom you seek. For what reason do you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Uh, then they invited him in and lodged them. And uh, on the same day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So, you know, wow, you know, lot, lots going on here, especially verses 9 through 12 here. We see uh, this revelation to Peter is, is described. Um, you know, verse 9, it says that, you know, Peter was, uh, you know, it's that time of the day uh, uh, that the angel had appeared to Cornelius, um, which is kind of interesting. And uh, it was after the angel had appeared to Cornelius. And uh, Peter's, you know, he's up on the housetop to pray. Um, and that might sound weird, but houses in that area at that time were flat. On the out, you know, up on top, so it's not like he's like trying to balance himself on a tile roof or anything like we have out here. Um, I used to manage apartments, and I'm very familiar with <laughs> trying not to fall off a roof. Um, but they're flat, and that's what he did. He went up on the roof to pray, and uh, the time was the sixth hour at, at uh, 12 p.m. Uh, 21 hours had passed, 
And Peter's completely ignorant at this point. He's oblivious as to these other guys on this journey from to Joppa. But God's going to align everything up to his will, as we're going to see. Um, you know, Peter's hungry. It says he became hungry, wanted to eat. And um, he probably, you know, smelled food that was, you know, being cooked or something somewhere. Barbecue or something. <laughs> And then it says that he falls into this trance, you know, in verse 10. Um, and the word trance uh, means ecstasy, literally to stand outside of oneself. Uh, it's used of Paul when Jesus spoke uh, to him in the temple in Acts chapter 22. So this vision is revealed to Peter up on the roof here. Uh, he sees heaven open up and this object like a big sheet comes out. You know, it's bound by four corners. And um, the word for the sh for sheet here means like a linen sheet. Um, so these were better than Ikea quality, obviously. <laughs> and it's descending down onto the earth, verse 11. Uh, and, and this is implying that the revelation was from God. It was from heaven. Implying, you know, as it's, it's descending. Um... And, and the recipient of this revelation on earth uh, is man, and in this case, Peter. Uh, and this is a really important moment in church history, as we're going to see all of this. You know, he sees all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds, in verse 12. Uh, and as we know, the law makes a clear difference between clean and unclean animals. We know that in Leviticus 11, Deuteronomy 14. Uh, so Peter's a little confused right now. You know, he's tripping. <laughs> he's thinking, whoa, what's going on here? And rightly so. Uh, but God's about to change his heart, as we're going to see. Um, so, so Peter hears this voice, you know, in verse 13, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Um, and this is a, a command, not a suggestion. The the, the form of, of this this uh, phrase here. It was very. It was a personal command to Peter. Uh, so Peter immediately responds with his Jewish upbringing. You know, although he's a born again Christian at this point, his background is Jewish. Um, in verse fourteen, he says, uh, "Not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything uncommon or unclean." You know. Uh, and it's just kind of funny how, you know, he says, not so Lord. Um, and which is really, I mean, uh, in, 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 in theory, it's a contradiction here, you know, for a Christian to use the word Lord and no in the same sentence. I know sometimes we do it, you know, but it's really an oxymoron. It's a contradiction. Uh, so like we said, he gives his, his explanation. I've never eaten anything unclean. Uh, he had obeyed the law all his life, the Jewish law. Um, we see an example of Ezekiel in the Bible as well, doing the same. And uh, so Peter then, he's given a, he's corrected. He's given an explanation of his whole contradiction here in verse 15. Uh, the voice then now speaks to him and, and says, uh, What God has cleansed you shall not call uncommon. Um... This is the first step towards this whole interpretation here by God saying that. Um, 
and this word cleansed, you know, what I have cleansed, um, means something that God actually made clean. Um, from physical means to remove dirt, spot, used, uh, for example, in like the cleansing of a leper. We see the same word being used in like Matthew uh, 8 when the leper was cleansed. Um, And the words from a moral and like a spiritual sense, free from defilement, free from impurity, free from sin, when he says what I have cleansed. Um, you know, the Gentiles were considered to the Jews as unclean, uh, you know, dogs even, you know, I mean, it would, you know, salud. You know, I mean, talk about being prejudiced, you know, that, I mean, they... That they they were God's chosen, and the Gentiles were, you know, they were the they were the dogs. Um, so Peter was told this three times. In verse sixteen, it says, "So God kind of reiterates it to him." Um, the message is is unmistakable from God, being threefold, you know, three times. Um, it's kind of interesting because Peter denied Jesus three times as well, as we know. You know, do you think this kind of rang a bell with Peter? <laughs> you know, oh, it's just kind of interesting. Um, uh, so, be, so Peter here, then he's given uh, the correction and the explanation to this whole thing. And... Um, well, going back to, to Peter denying Jesus three times, um, Jesus also asked Peter if he loved him three times. We know that as well. So this whole God's reiterating things to Peter three times is something he's very familiar with. You know, we see that at the end of Gospel of John in, in chapter 21. You know, Peter, do you love me? He asked him that three times. Um, which is kind of interesting. Um, so this object's taken up to heaven again in verse 16. Uh, which is really confirming the origin of the trance. You know, it's being taken back up to heaven, up, up to God, so to speak. The the authority of this command was from God. Um, so then in um, verses 17 now, down to 23, which we read already, uh, we see that this whole vision was confirmed now to Peter through these people visiting him. Um, Peter wonders within himself in verse 17 what this whole thing meant. You know, it says, uh, verse 17a, uh, that word uh, wondered within himself means to be perplexed uh, or be entirely at a loss. You know, the struggle was real here <laughs> for Peter. He's like, what's going on? You know, what is happening? Um, but at the same time, these men arrive uh, and inquired if it was the house of Simon as they stood before the gate in verse 17, uh, the, the latter part. Um, you know, we notice here, you know, God is bringing both ends together. He's being the God of order here, not the God of confusion. Everything's falling into place. First uh, Corinthians fourteen thirty three tells us that, that he is, he is, not the God of confusion, but the God of, of, of order and of peace. Um, 
so these guys are inquiring to see if Simon uh, Peter was lodging there, verse 18. Uh, and the Holy Spirit speaks to Peter to, to go with these men in verses 19 through 20. Um, it was while Peter was thinking about this whole vision, like, what did I just see that the Spirit says to him, behold, three men are seeking you, you know, verse 19. Um, so the Spirit co- commands Peter, arise, now go and and be with them, doubt nothing, for I have sent them, in, in uh, verse 20. Uh, the phrase doubting nothing means without hesitation. Uh, it really means taking action without any sort of delay. Um, and this is the second step that's going to lead to the clear inter- interpretation of this vision, you know, as we see the pieces of the puzzle coming together. Um, the Word of God and, this, and the Holy Spirit are, are one, and they never contradict each other, and we see that happening here. Um, it's all falling into place. So, um, so the men reveal the angel's appearance, uh, verse 21 and 22, confirming the Holy Spirit's instructions. Uh, Peter goes down to these men sent from Cornelius and says, uh, yes, I'm the one whom you seek. Uh, for what reason do you come? In verse 21, uh, Peter is, is told several things from these men in verse 22 uh, about Cornelius and so forth. Um you know, the, this Gentile, the unclean Gentile is introduced here. They say, well, Cornelius, and the centurion, a just man, one who fears God, you know, has a good reputation among the Jews, uh, uh, was divinely instructed by a holy angel. And, and uh, he says to hear words from you in verse 22. You know, that whole gospel commission is stated there. Uh, you know, what did Peter have to give them? Really, only the gospel at this point. You know, nothing else. Considering even their backgrounds and everything, <laughs> you know, that's really what he had to give them. Um, and all this information here is really the third step now bringing Peter uh, to a clearer interpretation of all this. Um, Peter here is obeying this measure of light that God was giving him, you know, in verse 23, we see that Um, he invited them in, he lodged lodged them. uh, And on the next day, Peter went away with them, you know, and other men accompanied him. Um, Peter's walking by faith here, like a hundred (laughs) percent, you know, which is, is based on this revelation of God which is never in contradiction to the word of God. Um, and this was despite the traditional prejudice between Jews and Gentiles. I mean, this is God revealing something really major here that's about to happen. Um, so we see that happens. Um, So kind of wrapping up the second point here, you know, when we accept Christ, uh, we're to allow the scriptures to be the sole authority for, for, for our lives. You know, some people they are bound by their legalism, you know, or the way they dress, length of hair, whether I wear, they wear or don't wear makeup, 
to judge their salvation. You know, some people, that, that, that's how they judge their salvation, is what they do and don't do. That's what, in their eyes, saves them. Um, others tend to lean maybe towards mysticism, other things, feelings, emotions, uh, instead of what the Word of God says, you know, experiences, that's what saves them. Um, others may mix in maybe former, former religious practices with what the Bible says, you know, different backgrounds. Uh, but as we know in uh, Acts 17, the Bereans, you know, were to be good Bereans to search the scriptures and see if these things are so. You know, we may have been raised with a certain religious background or whatever, but we need to search the scriptures and see is that really what the Bible says uh, saves us, you know. Um, <clears throat> and it, it's a bummer. What's really a, a tragedy really is when a person um, isn't teachable by the scriptures and that they're bound by their, their doctrines, uh, their dogmas and their beliefs from maybe other backgrounds, regardless of what the Bible teaches, you know. Um, there are those that teach that you have to be water baptized to be saved, even though uh, God says you don't have to in his word. He commands us to be baptized, but he doesn't say, like, if you don't get baptized, you're, you're not, you're going to go to hell or anything. Um, there are others who will teach that uh, everyone can and should speak in tongues or else, you know, you're not saved, brother, you know. <laughs> Start tonguing out, you know, right now, and you know, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm, it sounds funny, but it's like you know, it's, it's not that far fetched, you know. That's the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the evidence that you're saved, you know. If you start speaking in tongues right now, and Paul says, "Do all have tongues?" And the answer to that is is no. You know, it's a rhetoric question there. Um, some have it, some don't. Um, some people may be bound by what they eat. Uh, you know, things like that, days of feasts and, and, and things like that, like like the Bible talks about. Um, but really, the only person that can make the Word of God alive and understood is the Holy Spirit, as we know. It, no man can do that. I mean, we can try to explain it all we want till we're blue in the face to somebody, but it's really the Holy Spirit that can reveal these things. And, you know, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit has as you know, revealed these things to you and to me. And that's how we came to understand what the scriptures say about, about salvation. Um, you know, the Bible also says the Holy Spirit is a great encourager. He comes alongside us to help us do the work of, that God has prepared for us. Ephesians 2.10 talks about that. Um, you know, even the worst of sinners, the most perverted person, uh, who trusts in the atoning work of Jesus and the work on the cross can be saved you know, and forgiven for their sins. Um, Isaiah says, Come, let us reason together. Though your skin, sins be red like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Red like crimson, they shall be like wool. You know, as you know, the color red, it's like the hardest color to paint over. Like if you have a red wall and you want to paint your room white, <laughs> you know, that's... You got to put a lot of primer in order to do that, and 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 uh, God's saying, even though we're red with sin and scarlet, He's made us white. That's the most difficult color to get out. Second um, Corinthians uh, says that we are new creatures; those of us in Christ, all things have passed away, all things have become new. 
You know, so Peter's visited by the Lord here. You know, he didn't remain Jewish by law, and he's allowing the gospel of grace to free him. Uh, and he is sharing that freedom with others, as we're going to see. Which kind of leads us to our, our third part here. Uh, Cornelius now being visited by Peter in uh, verses 24 all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 48. So, uh, it says... On the following day, they uh, entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and had called together his relatives and his close friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he found, uh, went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company or go with one of another nation, but God has shown me that I shall not call any man common or unclean. Therefore I came without objection, and as soon as I was sent for, I asked then, uh, for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius says, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and in the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. Uh, and I said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and he said, Cornelius, your prayer is heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. When he comes, I will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, uh, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear the things commanded you by God. Uh, so Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him <clears throat> excuse me, and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, uh, he is Lord of all. The word that you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism that John preached, now God has anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised from the dead on the third day and showed him openly not to all the people but to witnesses chosen before by God even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify uh, that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. Uh, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as Many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have just received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they asked him to stay for a few more days. So, pretty wild. Um... You know, we see Peter arrives in Caesarea, verse 24, and uh, he comes as a servant of the Lord here. You know, we really see that in verse 24 through 27. Um, 
he entered Caesarea and Cornelius was waiting in a house with a bunch of people there, you know, relatives, friends, his whole crew, really. And and Peter enters the house of Cornelius and, and uh, Cornelius, you know, like lays himself at the feet of Peter in verse 25. Um, and he's kind of, uh, you know, he's kind of referring to him as like some supernatural messenger or something. Uh the word worship here means to kiss the hand, you know, uh, uh, prostrating yourself on the ground, touching one's forehead to the ground. Um, but Peter refuses to, to accept such honor as practiced by the pagans. We see that in verse 26. Uh, he says, uh, in verse 26, Peter lifts him up and he says, stand up. I myself am also a man. Um, you know, Peter lifts him up, uh, ref- refusing to be seen as like a superior over him, you know. Um, stand up, you know, I'm not the Pope, <laughs> so to speak, you know. Uh, I myself am also a man. Uh, but he also treats Cornelius with dignity, you know, not as an unclean person, we see, you know. Um So Peter, you know, he enters the house and he notices all these people. They're all in here and they're all together. You know, once again, Peter was probably just tripping out over this whole scene here. You know, <laughs> like, man, all these people showed up. Um, so Peter comes in clearly to understand uh, this vision here, the interpretation of it, verse 28 through 29. Um He proclaimed the interpretation of his vision by God. Um, God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. He's letting them know that, that this is, this is a God thing here. Um, and this is really the fourth step uh, here in, in, in Peter's heart being changed, you know, and understanding fully now that there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Uh, You know, the Apostle Peter at this point very clearly understands that salvation is not just for the Jews. Um, so he asked them in verse 29, he asked them to tell the reason uh, for his coming. Uh, and Peter answers Cornelius in verse 30 through 33. Uh, Cornelius retells the whole visitation with the angel. Uh, it had been four days now, you know, since it all happened, two days each way. Um, and Cornelius says he was fasting until the ninth hour. And as we read, you know, the angel appears in a bright clothing again. Um, he's kind of retelling the whole account. Uh, and, and Cornelius reveals really in verse 33, his eagerness to hear the word of God. In verse 33, he says, So now I send you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present, we're all here before God, to hear of the things commanded you by God. You know, he's eager to hear it. He wants to know, what does uh, God have to say to them? Um, you know, like we said earlier, this is a man under authority. Uh, he had been obedient to this vision. Uh, and And... Uh, 
you know, God's working, like we said earlier, on both ends, you know, with Peter and Cornelius. God works with Cornelius, God works with Peter separately, and it's all coming together. You know, I, th- I think God does work well on both ends, you know, when it comes to people. <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, I'm not married or anything, but like in a marriage, for example, you know, let's say, you know, you had an argument or whatever, and uh, God's dealing with one person and the other individually. And then once he's able to do that, then <laughs> this couple can reconcile and come back together. You know, instead of saying, well, I'm not going to do my part, you know, she has to do hers or vice versa, you know. Well, God's not going to work when when you're being stubborn like that. But if if we let God work on us individually on both ends, he'll bring the whole thing together. And that's kind of what's happening here. Um, you know, and so he and everybody, uh, they're all present. They're ready to hear the gospel. Um, and, and the word here means uh, effectively to hear, but also to obey. Um, so then Peter just preaches the gospel to them in verse 34 through 43. Um, Peter declares the meaning of his personal revelation that he had. Uh, Peter's declaring here that God shows no partiality or respect of person. Um, and, and the context here is Jew and Gentile partiality you know, discrimination and so forth that, that has existed. Um, and that's what he's talking about here. So Peter declares in verse 35, God excludes no one. Um, he says, uh, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Uh, no nation is excluded here. No man is rejected. Whoever fears God and works righteousness is accepted by him, he says, you know, in verse 35. Um, now, this does not, mean that salva- does not mean salvation by works, when he says works righteousness, uh, but righteousness by faith in Christ. Um, if Cornelius' works were enough to save him, you know, attending the synagogue and praying and doing all that, uh, there would be no need for Peter to preach Christ to him. So we kind of have to look at the context here. Um, so Peter preaches a, a personal revelation with Jesus uh, in verse uh, 36 through 38. Um, the word of God to Israel was preaching peace through Jesus. The emphasis uh, on the content and proclamation of the gospel. Um, and it says in verse 37 through 38 that the word... Uh, was one they knew and were familiar with. Um, so then he proclaims uh, the witness to the person of Jesus through the gospel, verse 39 through 43. Um, the fact that the apostles were witnesses of all these things and the crucifixion and the death of Jesus, he says in verse 39. Um, you know, he talks about... Uh, being killed and, and hung on a tree and implying that he became a curse for us. Uh, he took, he took the curse uh, and the shame on his behalf. Uh, the fact that Jesus was raised and sent out by, you know, chosen witnesses after he was resurrected, verse 40 through 41. He, Peter talks about that, you know, when 
he says uh, that he showed himself to us. He's talking about the 12. There's an account of revealing himself to 500 at one time, uh, to Paul, etc. Um, and, and he talks about the fact that Jesus had ordered a commission for his disciples to preach. That word Caruso, herald the gospel to people, you know, and testify that, uh, you know, that they are sent out to preach. Um, there's a brand of, of Christian like t-shirts and it's called Caruso, meaning, you know, to proclaim the gospel. That's kind of where they get that from. And that's, that's what he's talking about here. Um, so, so Peter's preaching, he's going for it. And then as that is happening, we see in verse 44 through 48 in the last bit here, we see the pouring out of the Holy spirit by God. Um, the Holy Spirit falls on all who were present as Peter was speaking. You know, he wasn't even done speaking. <laughs> you know, as he's speaking here, those that believe, boom, the Holy Spirit <laughs> falls upon them. You know, it's kind of wild. You know, those that heard the word here and okay, they believe it and they accept it. God just drops the Holy Spirit on them, you know, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, this is the same experience that was in Acts chapter 2. Uh, and it's kind of interesting because in verse 47 you know there's not even an altar call he didn't even say you know <laughs> you know, wait you guys can't be saved we didn't do the altar call yet <laughs> you know people just got saved and they got they got baptized with the Holy Spirit. So since they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, Peter's like, well, you guys are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let's baptize you with water now. You know, since you're saved, now we can baptize you with water. It's not the reverse, <laughs> you know, but because they were saved, Peter's like, let's baptize you guys. Let's just do it. You know, um, it was the Holy Spirit's baptism that qualified them for water baptism. You know, not, not the reverse. Um, you know, it's interesting too, Peter commanded that they be baptized, not circumcised. We're not talking about the law here, of the Jewish law that Peter had grown up with. It's, it's a whole new, whole new ball game now. Um, so then, you know, Peter, he, uh, he enjoys fellowshipping with them for a few more days. <laughs> it says in verse 48, uh, he commanded them to be baptized and then he asked, they asked him to stay for a few more days and he just, hung out with him, <laughs> you know, let's just kind of keep the party going here, <laughs> you know, God had done a work, you know, let's, let's just kind of hang out for a bit after, and that, that's, that's what happened, um, pretty wild, you know, the worst thing I think that, that we can do is make the gospel available only to certain nationality, you know, certain culture, certain race, that's, that's the worst thing, you know, based on what we read here. Um, we read in, in Colossians and in Galatians, uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Um, Romans says, there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, uh, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Uh, You know, and another worst thing we can do is really water down the gospel. You know, that's another bad thing, you know, when we're preaching it to people. Uh, 
you know, not, not mentioning the whole picture of sin, salvation, repentance, you know, transformation. Um, you know, if, if we try to be politically correct about it, non-offensive, um, that's really the worst thing we can do. <laughs> One of the worst things we can do in, in regards to preaching the gospel. Um, you know, then we just become motivational speakers. Uh, you know, tap into your potential and be successful like that. I don't know, that infomercial guy. <laughs> I used to like watching his infomercials. He'd do like this weird, like, he'd go like that, or I don't know. <laughs> I'd get all pumped up. Um, you know, God's gone out of his way to provide the superior revelation uh, to know God in a personal way. You know, it's superior to all that PC stuff, you know. Um, and God always confirms what he's doing through his word. Uh, through the Holy Spirit, you know, to validate and verify that it's His activity, not uh, imitation, you know. Um, and God holds Himself responsible for the unreached people and their salvation, not us, you know. That, that's that's God's uh, thing to deal with, you know. But He does hold us responsible, though, for the gospel we are hearing right now. You know, those of us that are, I mean, we, we heard the gospel tonight when we read this. Um, you know, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to, you know, change the subject in our minds to, you know, other people who need to hear it, you know? Uh, or are we going to be the ones to receive it, you know? Um, so Cornelius was visited by Peter, and the gospel was now brought to the Gentiles. Pretty Pretty major event here. In, in the history of the church. Um, and as we saw, preaching the gospel to the house of Cornelius happened in really three visitations. Cornelius being visited by the angel, uh, Peter visited by the Lord, and then Cornelius was visited by Peter. You know, And we saw God put it all together. Um, but still there was a choice, and there was a will to be exercised. Um, you know... And what's our choice going to be, you know, in regards to the gospel? So let's pray. Lord, we do want to come before you once more. Lord, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, just the the major event that happens in this chapter, Lord, in, in church history. And we just thank you, Lord, that uh, everyone can come to you and, and, and receive the gospel, Lord. Not just uh, a certain class or race or culture lord but it's it's everybody there's no jew or gentile in your eyes lord we thank you for that um we pray for those of us that may be hearing the gospel tonight that that um may not have received it yet i pray you would just work on their hearts the way you worked on peter's heart and cornelius's heart lord work on our hearts as we uh, continue to walk with you hear from you lord and and uh, we just pray all these things lord in jesus name amen